Hello, everybody, and welcome to What's the Story podcast. This is WTS257. My name is Danny Murray. And I'm Graeme Merrigan. How are you, Danny? I am in spitting form, Graeme. Excellent. I'm doing good, yeah, doing good, top out of the world and all that crack. How about Pretty you, my good. friend? Yeah, no, I'm in good, I'm in good form, yeah, thank you. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, I've had a busy week, but uh, sure, look, isn't, isn't that what life is like? Uh, 4,600 work emails, is it? Uh, yeah, well, uh, more, but, but I when I was talking to you, that was the number that was uh, unread in my inbox. <laughs> Man of demand. I take one day off, Graham, and the whole place goes to shit. Uh, uh, you know, I believe so. it went to zero in seven seconds. Are you insinuating I had my finger on the delete button for quite some time? <laughs> not at all. Not at Con- Control Alt Delete. Thank you. <laughs> uh, if anyone uh, who I work with emailed me in 2014, I'm due to get back to you in 2023. So just hold tight. Hold tight. <laughs> when you'll be a married man. I will, I will indeed, yeah, that's right, that's coming up quickly, um, but sure, look, people have heard me waffling about that for a while, so we'll, we'll give the wedding talk a break this week, um, but I do, Graham, want to talk to you about a very, very serious matter. Oh? You had a 90s dinner, and I just thought it sounded wonderful. <laughs> a 90s dinner, this evening I had chicken chips and peas, mushy peas. Real man, that is... That, yeah, loads, that is of, loads of salt on the chips and loads of ketchup. Oh, yeah. Now, now here's, I don't know if we've ever talked about this before. What variety of ketchup is in the American one. household? There's only one variety of ketchup. Oh, we're going we're gonna to have a fall now. I can sense this. There's only, there's only one acceptable brand. Oh, yeah, we're, oh, I can sense this is going the wrong way. And it's Heinz. Oh, you're a fucking dog. Get out. Don't tell me you're a chef. I am a chef, man, true and true. Chef brown sauce, that's all I'll have. No, I, chef, I like, I like the, ketchup is just like vinegar. I like the zest, the zinginess in it. No, it's vinegar, man. It's not, it's, no, it's... No, nah, chef ketchup is not for me. You give me, you give me a bag of chipper chips of salt and vinegar and a bit of chef ketchup. No. Nah. Oh, my word. I'd rather the big old industrial size KVI ketchups than that. Do you remember the big, huge cave? Oh my god, yeah. that cheap ketchup was unreal, man! Do you remember you got like a a, a, a little a little plastic tray of chips in Lansdowne Road, and it'd stick a load of that ketchup on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd, you'd it'd be it'd feel like it was minus twenty degrees, but holding them chips, you are warm and happy. What? And you didn't want the you 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 would cause a you would cause a World War Three if your man attempted to get that ketchup in on a Friday from the shop. Oh, there would be absolutely more there would. Yeah, absolutely. Um I, I'm I'm yeah, it's weird. A lot of people are Hoyens ketchup and I feel like they're just Hoyens because, you know, their their granny was Hoyens and their, their ma was Hoyens. No, I just think it's, it's an inferior it's an inferior condiment. I did no it's not no you're you don't know what you're saying now to be honest. I, no I'm I'm perfectly aware of what I'm saying, thank you. I think I think that the chef ketchup is just far too vinegary and it's just not for me i do uh, like the chef um I, I like the chef uh brown sauce on a ham and oh yeah no, yeah now, I, I do like now uh I've, I've a soft spot for yr brown sauce uh me dad is a chef oh. brown sauce man well he was he don't he wouldn't he wouldn't i always used to think that was called jr no yr yr but me, me granny was a YR woman. My mother is a YR woman. So mm. I've got a, I've got mongrel blood in me because I'll go for either one of them. Do you know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> Love 
what mayonnaise is in the American fridge? Uh, Hellman's. Hellman's. Hellman's is really the, it's the staple, isn't it? I'm, yeah. I'm suspicious of people who opt for a different variety of mayonnaise. Yeah, I wouldn't even attempt to go to another variety. No. Um, but do that said. Do you know what, uh, of a, um, one of my good friends, Robert, uh, put me on Christmas Eve, I went down to his house. He texted me at about five and said, do you want to come down for some ham sandwiches? Bob sounds like the type man I want to be friends with as well now. Yeah, so I went down about seven o'clock, Christmas Eve. I had a fresh ham only out of the oven oh. on white Brennan's bread. Oh. And do you know what condiment he had? Oh, here we go. This is, I'm, I'm intrigued. And the condiment was stunning. The, the sandwich was accompanied by tato, cheese, and onion on Christmas Eve. A, f- a fantastic choice. And the condiment was. Uh, Don's simply best range of gherkin mustard relish. Oh wow, Daniel, it was a taste sensation. Well, I am intrigued now. Yeah, the oh man, the mustard gherkin relish. Everyone that's listening to this, go out to Don's, go to their simply best range. And get the mustard gherkin relish if you're that way inclined for a con- good condiment. Mustard and the sandwich was sensational. And Wait, I'll never forget that Christmas Eve now. A mustard gherkin. I am going to. I'm, I'm going to. I'm a fan of Duns, uh, and I'm a fan of their products. Yeah. Um, I, I, in fact, they're um, they do a honey mustard whiskey. Uh, glaze, which I have used uh, on hams in the past. Didn't use it this year now, but I have used it on hams in the past and it was right. sensational. Lovely. But uh, that, that relish sounds right up my street. Tell you what Duns do, actually. They do sausage rolls, but they're black pudding and pork sausage rolls. Sausage rolls are from me now, to be honest. I know, I know. I know. Just, you, you pop them in the oven for 10 minutes and they're, oh, fucking hell. They're, they're good. Poppy seeds and all on them. Puff pastry. I had me mum and dad's friends. Uh, they were over a couple of weeks ago, and mm. my mum had the cheese board out, and I had them. I put the gherkin and mustard relish, yeah, on on crackers, and uh, they're sensational, man. Sensational. You're, you're a fan of a cheese. Are you a fan of a charcuterie board, or is it just strictly cheese you go for? I'm not a fan of the cheese board at all. My mum just had it out, and I says, I says to me dad's friend Dookie, um, I'm gonna. I know he 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 likes mustard. So yeah, Dookie. I'm going to give you a cracker here. I'm going to give you the best condiment of all time on this cracker and you're going to love it. And yeah. he put it into his mouth and he goes, it's fucking massive. Ah, that's, yeah. That's, would you put mustard on a burger? If you're, if you're, if you're making a, a fancy burger, shall we say? Um, yeah, I would, yeah. Would, yeah, same. And you, you mustard on your hot dog if you're getting a hot dog as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of that. Do you know the French is yellow mustard? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's great stuff. Remember Pan Beach used to do sensational hot dogs? When we were kids. I, I, I never got a, a hot dog. You've said this to me in the past. I've never had a hot dog from Palm Beach in Ballybrick. Yeah. I haven't had one in years now, but I remember as a teenager, late teenager, I used to get them a, quite a bit up in Palm Beach and they were lovely. I've, uh, I've, I've taken to getting... Um, Dippers don't you, do anything for me though anymore. I'd, I'd have to be in a certain mood and it's mostly just I want a big salt and vinegar infested bag of chips. Yeah, just, vinegar's yeah. not for me. Um. You you put me on the because you you quite enjoy a hot dog. If you're in Five Guys or something, you might get a hot dog. At, you know, well, actually, Five Guys hot dog is sensational. Yeah. Um. And when I was in Luxembourg, the last hot dog I had was in Luxembourg with our friend Ross Sambra. And we yeah, went I'm married to- man now. Congratulations, Ross. We're probably well overdue on saying that to you. 
Yeah, congratulations on being married and baby Alex. And baby Alex, of course. It was Christmas last Saturday as well, actually, by the way. Oh, Um, congratulations everywhere to the Zambra household. Fucking hell. That was the last time. Did I get a hot dog on that trip, actually? Actually, I can't can't remember. For the sake of the story, you did. Go on. For the sake of the story, you did. And for the sake of the story, Five Guys hot dogs are really good hot dogs. So, Anybody want to tell me about uh, where to get a good hot dog, let me know. Well, this is what I was going to say to you. So over the Christmas, I made me annual pilgrimage back to the borough. Right, because I won't let a Christmas pass without having Hicks in my fridge and then put it on the grill and eat it because I love Hicks, right? Yeah. Outside of Hicks at Dunleary, they've started to do, like, just rolls them. I assume it was during lockdown and all that. They, yeah. they cooked them there in front of you and everything. Yeah. What I learned, what I learned, that they do bratwurst and brockwurst. I said, oh, here, listen, rosemary. Stick <laughs> a few of them on a bag for me. So I did. And I, done them, and I, I fucking tell you, and I done them hot dog style. Merlo. Very nice. Oh, my. I was nearly planning a drive back up to Dunleary, man. So you haven't had them there? You haven't had them since then? No, I haven't had them since. I haven't, And I think you couldn't. They're, they're very decadent. Do you know what I mean? They're like, but right. mother of God. If you like a hot dog and you're into your bratwurst or your brockwurst to either variety, uh, do, you, do you take to the German stuff at all? Um, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> a very serious conversation. What are you laughing at? <laughs> the way you put it, you take the I just wasn't expecting you to say that. Oh God! Um, the bratwurst down in the People's Park of a Sunday, the farmers market. Oh yes, he's a, he a bit. He has it on a big fresh bread bun. Um, with fried onions, mustard, and ketchup, he does. He he asks, "Do you want peppers?" But peppers don't belong in a hot dog for me. I'd agree with you there. I think that's taking a step too far. Fried yeah. onions, yes, absolutely. Uh, ketchup, mustard, absolutely. I, over an occasion, little bacon bits, crispy bacon bits, I'd be partial to that. Do you know what I had recently with Pat Flynn? Hello, Pat. Yeah, go on. The Well Burger. Oh, fucking hell. Haven't had one since I was with you, and uh, what I got on it was fried grilled onions, yeah, grilled mushrooms, yeah, cheese, bacon, ketchup, mustard, and lettuce, oh, and it was Jesus fucking sensational. Wow, burger's a good burger. It is a good burger, man. It is a good. There's only the, the, the downs. Well, there's many downsides of living in Leash, and anybody who listens to this podcast and lives in Leash, if you don't agree with me, well, look. Uh, but the, one of the downsides there's only two good burger places and one of them is Eddie Rockets so in truth there's only one good burger place down here. Eddie Rockets do a great burger they do in fairness they do um, the cheesy chicken filler burger is a taste sensation oh my god the, the Eddie Rockets chicken tenders oh my god man. I love their Cajun sauce Oh, stop the lo- You can buy that in Super Value now. I know, you know I know, yeah. And, yeah. The, and the garlic sauce. And that makes yeah. me happy because Eddie Rockets used to, they, they won't do it anymore because they're shit bags. They used to do uh, <laughs> where you could mix the garlic and the Cajun sauce. And it is fucking unbelievable. I didn't know you could do that. Oh, like, I didn't know God. you could get that. They won't do it anymore, but back in the day, because they used to do a thing called the Cajun bacon patty melt. And that was the sauce. And oh my fucking word, Graham. Do you like their breaded mushrooms? I'm a fan, I'm a fan of any sort of breaded garlicky mushroom situation. Uh, have you ever had... Here... Excuse me. <laughs> Come on. 
<laughs> Excuse me. The talk about food, man. It's the talk about food. Me and Rob, uh, occasionally, we, uh, we haven't been for a while, but uh, mm. bits and pizzas uh, in Dunleary. Oh. And their starter, you won't get a starter like it. It's sensational. It's garlic, cheese, mushrooms. And they're in this kind of steel plate. Mm. And there's, they're like little... It's like a little mushroom plate. There's four mushrooms. Yeah. Not breaded, nothing. Just four mushrooms. Yeah. Uh, mozzarella and Parmesan cheese. Oh. And loads of garlic juice. Oh, they are unbelievable. I haven't had that in ages. And I'm going to go, actually. I'm going to go to Bits and Pizzas. And get, and get the coleslaw as well. The Bits and Pizzas. Oh, coleslaw. Oh, my word, man. This is, like, we've, we've spent about 10 minutes just talking about food here. Yeah, we both, we've both had our, we've both had our dinner this evening. Yeah, I know. We're I, I, again. I will. On one final field question for now, and lads, tweet us at WTS Pod if you've agreed or disagreed with anything from the chef versus Hines battle all the way through to or any recommendations uh, would be great. Any any condiment recommendation? Gary Mackle uh, gave us a condiment there. Uh, I think it was maybe two years ago at this point. It was it was it was pre lockdown, so it's a good while ago. It was a Branston pickle uh, condiment, a relish yeah, type thing. That's right. Oh, it was stunning. Yeah. Absolutely stunning. So, um, but yeah, any condiments at all. We're big fans of condiments on this show. So uh, do put the recommendations into us. But Graham, if you were uh, of an Asian takeaway, yeah. even, the, the adventure away from anywhere else in the, the, the subcontinent of Southeast Asia, the adventure away from China and you go into the other field. You've been, you've been to plenty of places in, in that part of the world. Is there a particular type of Asian food you'd go for? Um, I had a Asian dish last night from oh, Jip. Yes, what did you get? From Jip. Yeah, go on. What did you get? Is it Dip or Jip or whatever? I would say Dip, but I mean, I'm not. I'm not here to. Yep. I had a chicken red toy chicken red curry. With oh yes, red curry. Yeah, but you know what's sensational oh. from Dip as well? Uh, they they have a basil and chili beef. Oh my god, it is sensational. It's sensational. My god almighty. A, a toy red curry. Yeah. You know, I'm obsessed with sushi lately, actually. I can't take the sushi at all. I can't yeah. cute mad for the sushi. I whenever she gets it, I get a toy red curry because the place that we get sushi from happens to do a wonderful toy it's red boat. curry. Lovely. Have you had um so she gets sushi from a place that you should try their um Japanese chicken katsu curry? I fucking love a katsu curry. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, my word. I love a katsu curry, man. It's amazing. I love prawn tempura as well from the... I can't, I can't, I can't take the prawns, but I do, I do like tempura batter in general. Oh, so. yeah, it's stunning. But, um, Dunn's Corn's Court have a sensational new, uh, fresh sushi place where they prepare the oh, sushi oh. there and then, and they just put it on the shelf, and I go up there. I'm actually going to go up in the morning. And I Sorry, get did you... Dunn's Cornell's Court have a sushi bar now. Yeah, yeah. Dunn's Cornell's Court is sensational. The boom oh, is back. The boom the, is back. The boom is back. Getting a sushi out of oh, here. And yeah, it's not a it's, pre-packaged thing. That is... it's, it's it's like their artisan area in Dunn's yeah. where they have the meats and the cheese and yeah, the, the butcher in there. The, the butcher in there is sensational. Yeah. So their, their sushi up there you get it with, I get it with wasabi and soy sauce. Oh, the tuna and the salmon and the prawn. The California roll. Come here to me, sushi. Yeah, that's that's what they get. They get the California roll and the Nordamaki, whatever oh, that is. Oh, yeah, sensational. 
Anyway, and look, I'm fucking lepping and everything now. Yeah, Jeez, I'm going to anyway. have a whisper now and a packet of hula hoops because I've had me dinner. Yeah, I'm going to have to go down and have a rummage downstairs and see what there is. Cause what would you take? I don't know. I don't know what there is. There's, there's a lot of Russian sweets down there, and I like some of them, but some of them I don't like. So I have to check the wrappers carefully to see which one I'm taking. Um, I think there's uh, a few packets of King in the Presto. So I'm really. I might, go, I might go for a crisp sandwich there's fresh bread there I'll go for anyway yeah. uh, I get enough about food Jesus we've had a waffle there about food uh, our guest Graham our guest is Irish independent football correspondent co-host of the League of Ireland Central podcast and contributor to Off the Ball it's the brilliant Daniel McDonnell hi lads everything's thanks for joining oh, man thank you for your time Dan much appreciated mate no not at all been a busy week Dan it has yeah um, it has like I mean we're, we're talking on we're on Wednesday evening now and we've had uh, what three press conferences this week related to like you know well, no, three, three days of, of stuff like uh, you know uh, the Euro 2028 bid on Monday uh, the uh, the what was the thing on Tuesday the, uh, the, the, the FBI press conference strategy launch on Tuesday and then we had the League of Ireland launch on Wednesday. It's like, you know, sort of a Craig David week, League of Ireland style. You know what I mean? Like, really, just, you know, I don't know what we've got on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday, but like, I mean, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is set a pretty high bar, you know, for what, what the rest so, of it could represent. Well, I mean, if the Craig David song is out in the go, boy, you could be making love by Sunday. So uh, let's see what happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably releasing a statement by Sunday. If it's, you know, it's yeah, yeah. football history. Yeah. 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 We'll we'll go in order of things there. And you said the 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 bid, the big bid was the first thing. What what did you make of it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think sometimes you probably have to be conscious of. You can have your own personal opinion on something, and then you have like the broader issue that exists around that. And you know, you're obviously reporting on something, but you have to report the news of the event. But also, you know, there comes a point, and I, mean, I suppose that's one of the things about reporting, like, you know, you have to do certain times just report things and let people judge it. But if you have the scope, which I, I suppose I do quite often to do opinion, um, you know, you have to sort of not let one blur the other. But, I mean, I hate the bids. I hate all this nonsense. Right? It just drives me absolutely nuts, you know. And um, I appreciate that. Like I, I'm completely like it's okay to be wrong and to be hypocritical sometimes, and you don't always have to like you know wedge yourself to a view and then decide because probably one of the great problems we have in like debate and life that you just can't change your mind sometimes. But like I really hate the bids, but I do at the same time admit that when I was watching the Euros last summer and it was pretty good. You know, having previously said I don't I don't care if these four games come to Dublin or not, it's irrelevant. Um, there was a part of me thinking. It would be nice to go to one of these games today, you know. And I do understand that the opinion that, like, I understand the attraction of a tournament coming to Dublin. I understand, yes, that if it was here, and I think there's a good chance this will happen, by the way, I'm sure I could probably get caught up in the buzz of it at the time. And, you know, it will, like, make, make some inspirational memories for people. And, and I get that. But it's just so irrelevant in the context of what Irish football needs to do at the moment, you know, to, to, to get the big shiny bid. It's always the big bid. You know, it's always this, it's always, um, there's always something that, that they need to get onto the six one news with, you know, it's always that type of like, this is the thing that, you know, 
I often think like the Delaney years and all that came with it, there was an element of, uh, yeah, there's the news cycle, but what we really want is to be on, um, we, we want to be talked about on like the Sunday morning, you know, current affairs shows. Like, you know, we want Brendan O'Connor and we want sort of their panel of talking heads to start going, oh, it'd be great to have the Euros in Ireland, you know, or the World Cup in Ireland. And, and you know, towards the end of the Delaney years, you had the bluster of, well, you know, we got the Europa League final to Dublin and we got the, uh, you know, we got the underage, under-17s started. And I mean, did any of that matter when the association was 17 million, 8 million in debt and everything was fucked, basically? You know, it was like, well, we got Porto and Braga here, you know, on the bright side. Like, so... Um, and I think that that is the fear now. I, I I'm slightly low to compare. Like I think it's actually I do think genuinely there are probably people and personalities within the FBI that are trying to do things differently. But that's why I just I don't like this bid playbook stuff. Where yes, like this is something that we can wave the green flag and get behind. I'd rather I'd rather celebrate other things even if they don't make the news. You know, getting structures right because. All the rest of it will come after, hopefully. You know, but it's I'm always the. Would this? Would this? When Jonathan Hill was appointed, would this? Would this have been one of his main targets? Well, uh, so the thing is, they sort of inherited it. Like, I mean, you have to remember, like, you know, when John Delaney was appointed executive vice president uh, in that sort of that one of the great sort of deadline day moves of all time in Gibraltar. Um, <laughs> like one of his briefs in the title was. Uh, to be responsible for the Euro 2020 bid as it was, or I think at the time it had already been awarded, sorry, the manager that, and the World Cup 2030 um, sort of uh, bid, you know? So that was one of his very important tasks that obviously he'd been assigned by his board, you know, the board had told him this. Yeah. And um, the, uh, so, like, uh, so they didn't inherit it. So the argument could be, if you want to break from the past, do you say, listen, we, we want to get things right. We accept that um, there's a lot of issues that we need to sort out here. And right now, we're not going to uh, go for a, a major tournament bid. Um, we're actually going to go and focus on, on other priorities. We're going to maybe, I've always said, you know, I know I spoke about an underage tournament there, maybe sort of dismissively, but I would have loved to see Ireland go for, and it was talked about a sort of a hands across the border thing, Know, to go for an under-21 championships because with the spec of the stadiums within that, it actually would be a real push to to sort of to get your your you know to to, to sort of get the 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 middle rank stadiums completed or brought up to a certain level and a catalyst for funding. But you know, under-21 tournaments don't don't get sort of Kildare Street excited. You know, like you don't you don't get someone from Roscommon, some TD putting out a statement about why don't we build a stadium here? You know, they can't get behind that in the same way that a big shiny bid. Now, you know, I would have spoken to people in the last couple of days who would say, you know, that, that the bid actually itself isn't going to cost a huge amount of money. And that may be the case. And they, people would argue, you can, ha- you can do the bid and you can get the other stuff right. But my point is, if in five years' time, yeah, they've got the bid and that's, that's worked but they've got none of the other stuff done. And then they start talking about the achievements of the last five years and say, well, we did bring Euro 2028 to Dublin, but, you know, you still have to piss in the dark at a load of League of Ireland grounds. You know, uh, uh, to me, I'd rather get that stuff sorted first and, and, and then, you know, get the bid sorted. So 
Um, the fact that it was it was on the day of their big strategy launch, um, you know, the, the bit overshadowing that just struck me as a bit unfortunate. Yeah, and I noticed with the the, the launch as well, one of the targets was. Um, the FEI Cup final day exceeding uh, 40,000, I think, by the time, by 2025. To sell it out. To sell, sell it out. out. Apologies, apologies. Sell yeah. it out by 2025. Um, is that not, like, counterproductive in terms of, you know, why don't why not look for weekly League of Ireland games to be uh, improved and instead of one one match per year, like... Yeah, no, I agree with you. And like, I was sort of tempted to rip the piss out of that until I realised that I'd written a column at some stage in the last year saying they should be aiming to sell the FBI Cup final out every year. You guys <laughs> just like, saying they should be anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, and like, it's, it's, it's true. Like, it's, I think that game should be sold out every year. But you are right. Like, it's a bit like, um, and I'm not having a go with this because it's a great initiative that they've done, but you've seen in recent years, um, you know, in Croke Park, the, the ladies' football finals, massive crowds, and you see these sort of, um, well, this is the highest attended game in Europe. Um, and that's lovely. You know, that's actually an achievement. But obviously, the real success is when people are going we, on a more regular basis. And I always say, well, what was that semifinals? And, and in fairness, I think that actually is improving. And you could argue that one eventually leads to the other. But I take your point in a strategy. You probably should have. Um, I think something that can be measured, um, that it's not just, you know, you could throw out a lot of free tickets and fill the final as well. Like that, that can be done as well. Whereas week to week asks more consistency of you. Is, um, did anything from, from the launch uh, presser, did that kind of, um, did you celebrate anything when it comes to League of Ireland <sighs> grassroots? Was there anything to, 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 right home about no like not especially because like the whole thing is is a bit like it is a bit vague right but and i mean there's some fluff in it like and there's some nonsense in it too like you know targets that you know like yeah stuff about well you know the top 30 league of ireland ranking by 2025 in europe without going into it it's practically impossible to do that you know and um a lot of the more important stuff again without getting bogged down in it I know it's more general audience type thing, so like it's like getting bogged down in the granular sort of detail of it. Um, like there's there's a complicated diplomatic sort of issue on the ground between the, the League of Ireland clubs and the schoolboy football clubs, and I do accept that no one's going to produce a strategy plan that is going to have a one-liner that says here's here's how we're going to fix something that has been broken for years. Um, they're going to have to obviously consult and get people around the table and talk but sort of listen to Jonathan Hill chatting about it they they don't have any solutions at the moment other than let's just try and get the right people around the table which I think has always been the aspiration but the big thing is going to be that they they have an appointment coming up to like appoint their new director of football which is replacing Rude Doctor who was there before and that's just a bloody important appointment like they have to get that one right and that to me is like more important than any of the other stuff. Like, it's more important than Stephen Kenny's contract. Like, it's getting the right person in the director of football job, I think, that can try and bring those strands together. But the sad thing about it is, someone who, like, cares about this and covers this beat and wants things to be better and doesn't want to be talking about the same stuff 
in 15 years time that I was talking about 15 years ago. Um, but it's, it's possible that like, that it's almost impossible to repair some of those relationships. Um, and the amount of damage that has been done might just leave a legacy where it, it takes a generation or more to, to get things right. But I hope and still want to believe in a part of me that, that they actually might be, it might be possible to, in the next couple of years, to focus minds and accept that this is really important now. Brexit has happened. We control our player production. We don't just rely on England anymore. Can we maybe get, get the, actually get the right people around the table and find some common ground? There was a lot of people, when Rudy Doctor kind of stepped down, or um, there was a lot of people in the schoolboy section on Twitter rejoicing that, you know, he, he had left. Is there, is there anything, is it, is, it, is it only the underage leagues that he left a good legacy with? And some well, people will argue that as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, listen, there's no agreement on what Rudy Doctor did, really. You know, as in... I think by the time he left, anyway, I, I think I don't. I'm not sure that his list of sort of allies was was very long. You know that even that even though the decision to bring in these national underage leagues, you know, and give the responsibility to the League of Ireland clubs in that area is probably his legacy. That doesn't mean that the League of Ireland clubs felt that he did it in the right way or that you know what they've been left with. I mean, in some cases, they didn't even necessarily want some of that responsibility and the cost of having some of those teams, which isn't great either. Yeah. Um, but, but I think the issue that there was with the doctor at the end, from which I can glean from talking to people, was that actually um, that he wasn't great for actually maybe bringing people together to talk. You know, again, that, that there would have been people whose gripe at Rude Doctor may not have been the decisions that, that he made, but it might have been that they were never consulted about them. And that was the problem. And whatever they try and do with that now, it needs to be, it's a sort of a United Nations job for someone, you know, to sort of to, to manage it rather than a, a football guru. You know, people talk about needing someone with a vision. Like, you know, it's not about, to me anyway, this person, whoever it is, it's not about their style of play or, you know, it's actually about their people skills probably in dealing with factions and the rest of it will follow, hopefully. And as, as, what names have been muted for that? Because I haven't heard nothing. Uh, no, it's a good point, really. Um, I, I don't... They, they, that was spoken about yesterday. The, the point that was... In the context that it was raised was, um, do they need someone Irish to do it? As in someone who knows the lie of the land. I think Jonathan Hill's line was, uh, you know, Irish solutions for Irish problems um, are probably what's needed that sometimes maybe Rude Doctor was thinking he was in Holland when he's not. Like, you're in Ireland where um, it's, not, it's not like sort of, it's not as structured as it might be in Holland where you might have a population centre of a million people centred around maybe one club, you know, one senior club. Like, here you could have that with six or seven senior clubs, you know, a couple of hundred schoolboy clubs, um, some of which are very good, you know, a powerful thing. And then the GEA and, and you know, everything else that goes around it. And um, I think that would have been a broader criticism as well, maybe trying to, and there'll be different views on this. And I mean, I know you're a Shamrock Rovers fan, you know, Stephen Bradley, for example, would have been someone who would be of the opinion the underage league sort of started younger. Other people would say, um, 
you don't need to specialize at that elite level so quickly and, and have, let kids play other sports. So there's different opinions. But yeah. um, to, to answer your question, there's no names knocking around, but um, like people have suggested someone like Brian Kerr, not maybe necessarily Brian Kerr himself, but someone like Brian Kerr, you know, Curtis Fleming's name was, was pitched, I think in a, someone, another journalist sort of put that forward. Um, so that type of name has been mentioned, but they've said that there's non-Irish candidates too who, who, who have expressed interest. And, the, and now Roddy Collins, though, no? Not Roddy. No, I met Roddy today, actually. Um, Absolutely. Bizarrely, oh, there was a, just on the way to the soccer, the, 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 the Football Writers Association, the Soccer Writers Association had like a, a meeting, our first in-person meeting today in whatever, two years. Yeah. And I mean... The, 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 the chances of um, Roddy Collins uh, being in the same hotel where these meeting was taking place, that it ended up with Roddy addressing the room for 10 minutes, even though he's like not a member of the association. Um, and he was actually suggesting he might have been working on a project with Paul Howard. He was obviously um, he's been on your show a couple of times. So I'm not sure what that's about, but I saw Roddy from a distance he shouted at me and, and said, here's Mr. Football himself as I walked into the room, which made everyone laugh. Um, and I was just thinking, Roddy is a certain charisma. Like one of my first ever jobs in, in journalism was ghostwriting Roddy's column in, in the Star Sun. No way! So, so like for, for I, I spent around three years, I still know Roddy's number off by heart. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't have, you don't have your mobile phone numbers. Like when mobile phones started, um, you might occasionally be using landlines so you'd memorize certain important numbers in your life. You know, you might have access to yeah. like a, 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 a landline phone and you remember people's mobiles. And Roddy, I mean, I was not going to call it out now that it could be a disaster. Just, <laughs> yeah. just a test of theory. Tell everyone. But, but I'm, I'm almost certain, I'm never going to check it that I remember Roddy's number. So like, you know, once a week I'd have to, uh, I'd have to, uh, I'd have to ring Roddy and, Try, I mean, how, like, how the fuck do you try and, like, get Roddy Collins' voice right? You know what I mean? Like, I need to try and, what would, what would Roddy say in this scenario? But it was entertaining. Um, yeah, it was, no, what a job, like. Roddy's a mad thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good to see him. He said he, again, there's always something going on with Roddy. He said he's, he's involved with some big five-a-side tournament that's been launched soon. Um, so, there you go. Is there I any, like Roddy, you know. It, he's, uh, he's, he is what he is. It, is there a job for him in Irish football? I don't know. Like, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say I, I, I would have agreed with a lot of Roddy's opinions uh, expressed in, in recent times. Like, I actually think I remember at some stage when I was doing Roddy's column back in the day saying, Roddy, like, you're having cracks with Stephen Kenny all the time here. Like, all the time. What's your, is it because he went into bows after you? Oh, no, no, you know, like, no. But I, and he, he still resists that, like, this is what it's about. But I mean, I'm, I have my theories, you know. I have my theories on it that he's he's never really. I think I think Stephen Kenny maybe like Roddy is a, is a person who had big ambitions, you know, when he got to Carlisle that that possibly the road he might have gone on. And I do think there's possibly and uh, there would be a strand of people probably within the game here who see Stephen Kenny getting the job that they might have aspired to one day and think of why did it have to be, you know, why was it him, you know, and I, Roddy, I would say that to his face to be fair, so I'm not, yeah. not even saying it sort of uh, in, a, in a backhanded way. I'd love to see him back though, I mean, I'd, I would love to, I'd love to sort of see him pop up somewhere, but I don't know, I'm not sure, you'd have to, you'd have to ask him 
would he have the 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 desire to 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 go lower again than where he's gone in terms of the clubs where he's been at? You know, it's a slog to be fair. Yeah. Um, would that desire be there? But I mean, I'd love. It. I mean, Roddy and Pat Dolan and Darren McKeady and all these figures like that were on the scene when I sort of started um, working in it. Um, you can't have enough of, of of those guys. You just can't always uh, don't have to always agree with them. But the fact that we're even talking about him shows that he he captures the imagination in some way. Absolutely, Rod Squad was absolutely must watch television. Yeah, like it was. I mean, it's big. I mean, like Roddy is just. Uh, I'm trying to think. Actually, the, the Rod Squad. Like I, I, I watch it, but it's so back in the memory that. I'm trying to remember scenes from the Rod Squad. Am I remembering them, or am I remembering really discussions I had with Roddy myself? <laughs> you know, because I I seem to recall regular references to Louis Copeland. You know, there was definitely yeah. one day. There was definitely one day I met him in the hotel, and he was just there with Vinnie Jones. You know, just in the lobby of somebody's. I just come down, and they were close, and like did you know? I think there was a sense of the Rod Squad that. It was obviously the great thing about it was it was a camera sort of following Roddy around, you know, and, and, and his things that he says and does. But if you ever go and meet Roddy in a public setting, that's a bit what it's like sometimes too. It's like he is <laughs> almost, he's like a character in a, you know, it's like a sort of a Larry David thing or something going on where like Roddy is sort of, you know, there and things happen around them. Like the sheer fact that, as I said, I hadn't seen him in ages and I just saw him like, he just started addressing a meeting randomly today, like you know, for the first time. Like, what was he you know, saying? He comes in. I, I, I see. I'm a, Mr. Football, as I am now, came in late, just as he was finishing his speech, as he was walking out. I was walking in, but um, I don't know. I, I, I gather everyone got a bit of. They got a ten-minute pep talk from Roddy, you know. So, I mean, listen, honestly, I, I, uh, I. I you know, you, you you need those characters. And like to be honest for me when I was starting off, it was actually great fun every week, like just to be talking to Roddy, because I think that was around the time as well, if you remember. Um I think that was around the time he was at Dub he, he was at Dublin City. Yeah, yeah. And uh and he went from Dublin City to 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 Rovers, wasn't it? Was that the controversial yeah. thing before yeah, around the time. Um but that was around the time when he was signing like Carlton Palmer and F and Akoku. So I think I was brought up to meet them actually. I think that was it. I got like exclusive access to meet uh, Carlton Palmer and F and Akoku, I think, and particularly Palmer. I seem to recall Carlton Palmer being there sort of wondering what he was doing here, you know. I and get I was pretty... for Dublin City. Uh, but sure, Roddy, like, he had his connect. Well, I mean, again, like, for, for all Roddy's sort of his, his front and, and his sort of some would say it's spoof you know but it, for all I wouldn't say it like, this is my point like he does like he is well connected like you know yeah, he yeah. did he, Roddy would pick up the phone and he, and he would genuinely have like long standing contacts and, and friends you know across various strands of the game yeah um, so I'm guessing through that network he was able to to get at some of those lads. I mean, I don't know what's, you know, I suppose if you don't know anything about Ireland and you hear the Dublin City FC, you know, you might think that this is like the premium team of, yeah. of Dublin. That's looking for you as opposed to, 
Yeah, exactly. I'm sponsored by Carol's. They might even know the Carol's gift shop, like if they've been in Dublin before and they're thinking that this is the centre of the universe as opposed to like a, a bag of jerseys out in Santry, you know, but like that's, that's, but like that's what you might have assumed that it was, you yeah. know, and Roddy is charismatic. I mean, I think Roddy, you know, I think Roddy, if you talk to Roddy and he tried to sell you something, you definitely end up thinking about it. There's a, there's a podcast coming up, actually. The, the Rovers fan podcast, Tales from the East End, have a, an interview with Roddy Collins. So that will be interesting coming from uh, you know, a Rovers fan perspective because it's obviously going to be talking about his time uh, at Rovers, which was quite controversial in, in some aspects. So that'll, be, that'll actually be yeah. really interesting. That was a very like, talented and very social team that they had like that year, wasn't it? I mean, there's yeah. no way they should have got relegated. But I know... The I know the arse fell out of the place a bit too, like yeah, during yeah. the year and stuff. But um, it was like it, it looked like a team that you you know you wouldn't trust them to win a league, but you want to be invited to their Christmas parties. You know, it definitely was that type of like it was that type of team. And um, I would that was the year they were in Daily Mount, wasn't it? So I would have covered. I was freelance at the time, so I would have covered a lot of their games. And like they're often very good to watch, but. It'd be interesting to see how much he spoofs about that season because he's known a, a kind of known spoofer. Well, I mean, like, but by the end of that podcast, Roddy might have convinced some people they qualified for Europe, you know, <laughs> until someone points out, like, <laughs> no, the following season they were actually in the first division, you know. But <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure when he was at Malta or something, he might have told them he got them to Europe that year. Oh, you I mean, did. I used to interview him every week on um, Dublin City FM when he was the manager of Monaghan United. And, uh, right. Yeah. yeah. He, he used to love coming on. Do you know Declan Hughes, do you? Yes, I do, yeah. Uh, yeah. De- Declan used to ring him on a Monday afternoon and Roddy would be like, oh, Jesus, I'll do one for you, Decky, I'll do one for you. <laughs> and he'd come on and you'd be just having the crack with him. Like. Yeah, I know. Like he, As I said, as, a, as an early life experience in journalism, it was... Probably a really good one, to be honest, you know. Because yeah. I, I, I ended up then being on, I was on off the ball with him then, like as it was, like when the lads who are now second captains were off the ball. So like we had like a weekly League of Ireland slot then, which I think Roddy probably might have, well, I, no, he didn't have to get onto it because I'd worked with them before, but me and Roddy used to sort of row on air quite regularly. Like we'd have our, our weekly slot and they did some sort of, like team tune music uh, with like with various insults being hurled back and forth between myself and Roddy um, which you know at the time was again like was quite good for me probably to be sort of um, you know to, to get a bit of profile off the back of being the sort of uh, the straight guy in comparison to sort of Roddy's sort of outlandish claim and then I'd try and say oh you can't say that you know and that's yeah. always that'd be the thing that didn't happen, Roddy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just not true, Roddy. This is this is unfair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you know what was crazy to me uh, actually last week? The the Anthony Bar- Barry leaving for Belgium. Now it wasn't crazy in terms of the and 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 the fact that he he accepted the job. Why wouldn't he accept the job? But um, I th- it was. It was a bizarre appointment in the first place. I thought in in the sense that how did we get someone of Anthony Barry's caliber, and will we be able to replace him with somebody of his caliber? Yeah, it's, it's, well, how they appointed him is is basically 
you know, it was true. The connection there was was through Rory Higgins, who was on, um, who was Derry City manager now, but was on Kenny's coaching staff. And Rory Higgins and Anthony Barry were at Coventry together in oh, wow. the mid 2000s. And then when Rory Higgins did his early stage coaching badge, I think through the IFA uh, up north, I think Barry was on the same course and they, they sort of reconnected. Um, and then obviously Barry's star was rising. So Never knew when, that. when so when the vacancy popped up um, when Damien Duff left, um, I think Higgins like was able to say that there was a connection to Barry and I think, you know, Kenny I think would have inquired about Anthony Barry too and that, that's basically where it went they had a meeting and it was a coup to get him like it, you know in hindsight like at the time there was the reaction I mean, it's only whatever that was a year ago now um, like Anthony who was a thing that a lot of people said you know why didn't they appoint someone we know like when actually they, they had recruited one of the best young coaches in Europe and that's not hyperbole like that's, that's how he's regarded um, so I think what they did say yesterday is that it's probably raised the bar in terms of the type of appointment that they will go for now. Um, I don't think you're going to see them go for, say, someone on their first coaching job, you know, to replace them or something, some ex-player who, who isn't experienced in coaching. I think you'll probably, it wouldn't surprise me if they, they ended up going for someone who's, say, working for a club in the UK and, and it's another job, share job. I think that's probably what I might is there any names muted already? Because I, I know John. Um, no names to... muted. No, I, 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 I don't want to throw them out there. But like, I think, no, not, not, nothing, nothing, nothing that I'd be writing about yet. So I probably shouldn't say it on a podcast. Like, no you know what I mean? But like, but like, yeah, I, don't, I don't actually know. I just know that, that that's the profile they're looking at. Is last for your own podcast, on. Well, I mean, I'm not even sure if I'd give it to them, you know. Um, I wouldn't like to mean that, because that might involve telling Johnny Ward beforehand, in which case you basically told everyone in Dublin. You know? So you can't, uh, you can't do that. Definitely can't do that. Um, what was I going to say to you? Um, in terms of the new season, um, there has been a lot of kind of to and fro with new signings and stuff like that. Do you know, actually, uh, the Finn Harp signings, the the I think it's a New Zealand New Zealand international. Yeah, like the sort of Croatian they, fella as well. Croatian, yeah. that's it. Yeah, how do these signings happen at all? How does well? Yeah, yeah. How does all yeah, these signings like? I have no idea. So I was talking to a a, 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 a guy who was with Finn Harps last year who knows the scene up there, and he was telling me like there's some fella from Croatia is after landed up and moved his wife and kids. The Bally Buffet, you know, and I'm just sort of thinking of, you know, the football world and like what I love about football and it's why, you know, above all sports, it's what I love about, I mean, I love the international aspect of it. Like I love the fact that you can go to any country and there will be a, a football community of sorts there. And I think what we've seen in recent years is that like Ireland has latched on to this and it has become a stop on the on on the on the sort of life journeys for a lot of these people, and like you know, I mean, there's a Sligo signed a guy from New Zealand yesterday, um, and we have it all like just two Spanish lads over in Galway. I was chatting to someone about them today who are getting used to life over there, and I think it's brilliant. Like um, I don't know what the hell the Croatian will think of it, you know, in around six months' time, like when he's sort of like, 
and you say, how does it happen? It's, it's just, I mean, it's the same discussion you can have. The world has got a lot smaller with, 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 with sort of online platforms. And I gather that there's even like certain apps being set up that clubs can pay for where they actually, they put into it sort of, it's like a dating app or something, like, you know, what they're looking for, you know, what, what age, what requirement. And like, it sort of, it, 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 it sort of creates um, options for them. Um, with that and as a result you sort of not only I think a couple of clubs are using some kind of service like that then you have a lot of agents that would be sort of putting players around the place um, and like Sligo in particular in recent years has always had the tradition for doing that but it is like I, I'm always sort of fascinated by them because like you have someone like Joseph and Doe who, um, who who like a twice you know African Cup of Nations winner who, who camped the shells on a bit of a whim and is now living in the west of Ireland <laughs> what, almost 20 years later. Um, and you'll have other lads who'll be being and gone in three months going, what the hell was I doing there? You know, <laughs> and like, like Dundalk last, like Dundalk in recent years, like signed a load of these lads. And in fairness, I'm not saying that it would have worked out anyway, but they did land in, in the middle of, of a pandemic, you know, at the start of a pandemic. Like there was this guy, Stefan uh, Kolovic from Serbia, who moved over from Serbia to Ireland on his own just as pretty much the pandemic hit and spent like a couple of months because there was this thing over, will the league start back or not? He didn't fly home, he couldn't fly home and he spent like three months on his own in an apartment in Dundalk and he's after landing in from that, wherever in Serbia thinking, not sure about that, like, you know, three months in Dundalk on your own. Yeah. All those signs that Dundalk went to all those signings that went to Dundalk that year, Dan, are they more or less cleared out now? You know, the pretty much, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think they like they had to get the club needed to get if if one of their players got a new club, you need to get an international clearance form comes to the club that they have to sign. So they know of any of them. So like Abibi, the keeper from Albania, Italy, who was there, he definitely hasn't got a club yet because they haven't got the release in. But they had this guy Nathan. Ottawa, who played in 2020, and, and then all of a sudden last week he got a club in Azerbaijan, and the dog got the word for that. Oh no, he's got a club. So they, I think most of them have been fixed up. The, Korea, the South Korean guy they signed because they couldn't get their first South Korean. So the owner was so pissed off at the FEI uh, over their permit rules, he just decided to sign another South Korean um, with a very similar name just so he could, like, some fucking game he was playing. Um, he's gone back to a club in, in South Korea. Um, the Latvian guy is, is fixed up back home. Um, there's a few issues with Sonny Natastad, the, the Faroese defender, because he tried to sign for a club in Norway, but he, he has a bit of history there involved with a sort of very sensitive case. So a couple, one or two of them still haven't got clubs elsewhere. They had a couple of guys from Harvard as well. They had like... Uh, oh, yeah. they, they were... They had these like guys been dropped in from the American colleges um, who just appeared to apparently were just arriving indiscriminately, sometimes even during like quarantine. It was like, what the hell is going on here? Like the country's in lockdown and there's some like well-heeled American who's after just knocking on the door saying, I'm here, you know? And um, <laughs> I think there was a couple of people around the club who were sort of tasked with like driving they spent most of their life just driving American students around the dog who were never going to be remotely good enough uh, to play for them. So much so that they got loaned to Athlone, 
the worst team in the country at the time. He said, well, you're not even going to play for us. Um, so, like, why? But under work permit rules, uh, to get a work permit, um, I think there would have been on a minimum in some cases of, like, 600 quid a week, um, I think, or, or a certain amount. I think to, 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 to get a, if you need a work permit to, to play in the country, there's a minimum wage that you, you get paid which is a bit of a source of contention actually here at the moment that you would have dressing rooms in Ireland where there's lads getting like a hundred, like at the smaller clubs, like 150 quid a week, you know, to be professional in commas, commas. Uh, and yes, lads that are in from countries where you need a work permit to come here, there's a minimum amount that they get paid. Um, so I, don't, I think some places only have copped on to this recently that they realise that this lad in the work permit isn't that good as it's getting four times as much as me. I never even knew it. Right. Mad. Your department yeah, yeah. throughout the uh, P6 era was gas. Like that. Surely there's a book in that, Dan. Yeah, uh, like it's been said to me. All right, and um, and I, 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 like you know, it was spoken about, and I was sort of, I was up for the idea, and I just wonder has the moment passed now a bit? I think. You know, I, I, maybe it hasn't. Like, maybe it hasn't. But, like, it, it, I think there was a bit of interest around how it ended and the fact that it probably ended by going back into local hands and a good news story is it was the best thing for the club. But it probably might not have been the best thing for, like, the story arc, you know, if, if someone wanted to do, like, to craft a sort of a book around the whole thing, I think. Um but who knows? Like I think, it, I, I think it's one of those projects that uh, it would take over your life to do it, you know. Yeah. And it would be be a great thing to do it. But um, yeah, I, we'll, we'll see where they go in the next couple of years. But I'm not sure if, if I'm not sure if some of the best stories will ever be told. You know, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. what was the most obs- what was the most obscure story where when you got it and you got it verified, you were kind of going, "What the fuck." Oh God! Now you put me on the spot here. My favorite was uh, getting Gary Rod- wanting Gary Rogers to take the corners. Was wasn't that one? That was definitely yeah. That was true. Well, well, well I think there was this thing where um, there was this thing where uh, that because uh, Bill Holtzheiser, the chairman, like he hadn't watched I think a game of football till he was fifty or there or thereabouts, but he was big into to ice hockey. So. The, the, the one of the things was if you remember, and of course you would, because uh, you were you were you were there. The the twenty nineteen cup final, where um, what was it? Remember Michael Duffy got that amazing goal in the ninety fifth minute. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think did Rovers score a very late goal? Was the Rovers goal like in the eighty ninth minute or something? Yeah, it was like that? Aaron, Aaron McInniff penalty. Penalty, right? Okay, and from the tip off. All the Dundalk players, just Brian Gartland and everyone, just like the centre half. I just remember Gartland in particular being a centre half. They all lined up on the halfway line. They, they played the ball back to the keeper and then they all sort of, they just pumped the ball into the box because this is, you know, we've only got whatever, a minute left here, lads. And it did, it did, then it worked, right? It worked that Michael Duffy scored off a second ball eventually. And Bill Holzheiser was at this game and he just decided... Um, he went in and said to someone with a straight face, he was like, I mean, I've watched that goal there. Like, is there not some special code word that we could use, right? That some player could shout it during a game 
And at that point, everyone would just charge like a sort of a Braveheart style scenario where like someone would shout blue and then all of a sudden everyone just like fucks off. Like everyone, you know, like the defenders and everyone just charges forward um, to, you know, beyond the halfway line and, and just that's it. Like that, that's just, that comes to mind because of like you mentioned that Gary Rogers taking corners, but absurd. I mean, I'm just trying to think like, I, I collected a lot of body of stuff that was probably that was never that never quite was used. But I mean, the, like the whole thing, like during COVID, where like he wanted, like he wanted that he, he thought to get around the COVID regulations around playing a friendly against Celtic, um, okay. that like the whole the whole squad could quarantine in the, the club's training center in Dundalk, which is like which is a you know, it's it's not a place you want to be living for like, you know, two, <laughs> two weeks, weeks, you know, like, you know, whatever it was, four, 10, 14 days at the time. And the idea like you would have these reasonably highly paid like professionals in bunk beds in like an Oriel Park living for like 10 days. And they would think it was normal. Around that time, I think he was also demanding that because he was a big Trump man, you see, uh, Bill. So I think someone at the club was directly tasked with ringing Michal Martin directly. And I'm not even sure if this came directly from Bill, actually. It might have come from someone else. But like they were told, you need to ring Michal Martin and tell him that he's got COVID wrong. You know, a ring. It was Michal Martin at the time. So, like, so some fella at Dundalk has sort of been told, like, you know, any chance you could just ring the Taoiseach and say, this whole restriction thing, you know, the whole... <laughs> have, you, have you considered that maybe we should do something completely different on this, like in general, you know, and we might then go and we can go and play Celtic, you know, uh, around this time. Oh um, but uh, there's a lot of other stuff you would have needed lawyers to go over to get through. Um, <laughs> like that's not even, that's not even the half of it. I think, I think to be honest, you mentioned the book thing. Um, I'd say there's probably some people who were there for all of it that they could, if they really wanted that they could, if, I, I did say to some people at the time, it probably would have helped me out with stuff and information. And I just said, I remember saying to them, I hope you're keeping a diary on some of this stuff, you know, because it would be, it would be amazing. I, I feel like, you know, the documentary, it, it was, it was happening in, in production at the time, you know, and they could have done something with it. But anyway, who knows? Danny, it might appear something. Danny here um, is a Bohemians fan uh, in Panto land, just to annoy me. He's not right. really, he's not really League of Ireland as such. He just tries to get onto the the Dublin Derby uh, bandwagon when it doesn't go my way. Isn't that right, Dan? Oh, well, that's that's an outrageous accusation you're throwing my way, Graham. I am a I'm a diehard Bowls fan. <laughs> yeah. he's got he's got a Bob Marley jersey in the background there, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know. One or two years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. On, on Etsy. speaking of Bows they they have another uh, rebuild to do for the season Um, how do you see generally speaking in terms of the new season ahead obviously people will start seeing who outright bettings are going to be in terms of who's going to win it top score and stuff like that Uh, how do you do you see do you think it's going to be um, a competitive season this season um I think, if, to be fair, if, if things click for Rovers, like Shamrock Rovers, I think they probably should still be a bit ahead. Um, 
like yeah, the Bowes thing, like they, they lose players a lot, like it consistently happens and they have to rebuild. And I've sort of a bit of sympathy for Pete Long on that that um you know they have a good track record for I think probably you know taking players at a particular point, you know, improving them or certainly, you know, bringing them giving them a better platform, and then they lose them, you know, and that's difficult. I'm not sure, like I think Bowes probably was it the year before last, like they were properly the second best team. And, yeah. you know, there was a couple of derbies where you were watching them thinking like Bowes could really, you know, if they could sort of keep this together, they could, they could push on. But that hasn't, that hasn't happened. And I think, um, they wouldn't be in my sort of projected top three, if you know what you're say- I'm saying. I think like, I would have thought like Derry with the players they brought in, um, you know, and the potential that has taken Nigel up there, I would have thought they'd be pretty strong. And I still think St. Pat's, you know, they were second last year. They have signed well. Um, you know, I was chatting to Owen Doyle during the week for a piece for the weekend. And, you know, they brought in someone like him straight from, from League One. So I think for Bowes, it's going to be hard, harder for them. But I do think, like, probably, like, Rovers, as much as I think they should win the league, there's definitely more excuses for them dropping points. Like I, I do feel like the level might come up a bit this year of some of the some teams. I, I'm not sure how strong the leagues they've won have actually been, to be honest, as much as that would wind people up. But like I think they haven't had to work too hard really to win them. I think like sorry, that's wrong. They had to work hard to win them, but the fact that Dundalk completely capitulated, like they were trying to like take Dundalk off the pedestal. Then the dog took themselves off the pedestal. So, you know, I think Rovers will will probably face a more sustained challenge this year. But I sort of have a theory that they probably had another gear to go to. And maybe that challenge, particularly with Jack Byrne coming back, might actually be the one that 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 pushes them, pushes them on a bit too. But I'd, I'm, I'd I'm really looking forward to it. I had felt the the two uh, the two seasons we won the league, I which at a certain extent in terms of I always felt we were only probably in toward gear um, yeah. always felt like there was two gears to go and never quite got there be, perhaps because of the opposition um, yeah. in, in some respects um, so yeah I mean this season like I think Shells have, have strengthened very well and, and everyone will have their eyes on Shells seeing how Duff will get on there as well Um but yeah, I do, I do think definitely. I do think it is a it is, it'll be more competitive, and Rovers might have to step up the fourth and fifth gear, and and hopefully that will be bringing the three in a row. Yeah, well, I mean that that's definitely I think Europe obviously, and I sort of wonder even last year I didn't I didn't they played very well Rovers at home to Bratislava, um, but I'm not sure that they're I I think in some of their European games. While some of the Irish, other, other Irish clubs in Europe maybe raised their game in Europe, I think maybe with Rovers, it showed that they, I don't know, maybe they got away with things at home at times because it was almost, it was too comfortable for them some weeks and like they were really pressed and tested by, by good sides. Like in fairness, the team they went down to were good. Mm. Um, but I just wonder if Rovers were a little bit more, if they'd been really pressed a little bit more often week to week might they have been a bit sharper in, the, in those European games? And I think learning some of those lessons will be interesting. I think they were almost a bit 
cavalier away, a bit too open, because they can sort of recover and get away with some of these things um, at home. They wouldn't be punished as clinically, whereas in Europe they probably were. And I, I'll, I'll be interested to see them in, in Europe this year and, and, and what they've sort of learned from that. It looks like they're seeded for the Champions League as we're speaking. I saw that. I saw that as in running. Like, yeah. that season, I mean, like, you don't want to spend too much time in your life looking at seeding coefficients. But I tell you, I've spent far too much time doing that. Like, I, don't still, I still don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, well, just basically, right, if you don't need to understand it, just Google, like, Bert Cassis, this, this guy in Holland who seems to have, like, a program that he's set up over years that like he still has that very basic like you know the first ever font that existed on the internet like all the site like you know that little one that you would have typed your first letter out on and on a typewriter or something like that's his um times new roman well it's more like times old roman like you know what i mean like it's sort of like it's it's definitely like the most basic font and he has this like um he, he has this sort of like program but the night after, like a round of like European games, where there's like you know hundreds of games around Europe, like basically that night he has the seeding implications all up. He must have set up a program, but anyway, I would you would look at his projections and then a separate side for projects who wins the league winners around Europe and stuff. And I thought Rovers were a certainty not to be seeded, but basically it seems like there's been a load of there's a lot of surprise league winners around Europe at the moment, or a couple of surprise league winners. So teams who, because they haven't been in Europe that much, are ranked lower than Rovers. So if Rovers are are rank, are seated in that first round, um, that can change. That can change a lot of things, you know. Um, it's it's but but at the same time, I looked at I think is it Lech Poznan? I think are top of the table in Poland, like a, a way better league. But because they haven't been in Europe that much, they're seated lower than Rovers. So and you could be seated and play Lech Poznan, which would be a worse draw than you could get, you know on the other side of it. So let's not think too far ahead about it. Like the yeah, Polish yeah. league has got months left to go. But yeah. You just get giddy when it's, when we're actually allowed travel now to away matches, uh, calling the Champions League fixtures, which is going to be great. Well, that's a, you know, this is, this is fingers crossed, you know, this actually will be the thing. And like, that's, that's the thing the last couple of years that like, I haven't been on a league of Ireland European trip. I got to three of the Ireland games, um, in the autumn, but, uh, didn't do any of the club matches. And even the year Dundalk were in the group stages again, they're playing Arsenal and Rapid Vienna and doing these games off the telly at home and, and sitting Shit, around was just, oh, it's miserable. That, um, miserable. that, that ground in Luxembourg was great, wasn't it? Yeah, the little sort of saying, when I say little, I mean, it was little because you were there. You, you were there, yeah, weren't you? Yeah, of course, was, was yeah. yeah, like it was... Um, yeah, it was like a nine thousand seater stadium, wasn't it? But it was brilliant. Yeah. Now, I think they spent a lot of money on it. Like there was a, a lot of money sort of spent on it. And people say, Well, this is a model for what we should have. Like it's almost a really highbrow version of it. Um but yeah, I mean but there was a sort of royalty there, wasn't there? Like Infantino was at that game as well, too. Yeah. Uh, the big man. Like, you know, so yeah. like you know, Luxembourg, I mean, I don't know what you thought about Luxembourg. I mean, I have to say like in all the countries I've been to in Europe, it was probably the most dull I've been to in terms of there wasn't a huge amount going on. Everything was closed, wasn't it? Everything was closed. And like, you know, it's always a bad sign when, you know, one of the lads who was going over talked to a friend that lived in Luxembourg and said, I'm going to Luxembourg for the weekend. That whole thing of anywhere you'd recommend, you know, any restaurants or bars or something you'd recommend or where do you think I should go? 
And the response was, yeah, France, you know, and that was the answer. So, so like, I think the whole point was that like loads of people in Luxembourg just work there Monday to Friday. It's basically like the IFSC, but, but it's a country, you know, and, you know, everyone gets out of there for the weekend to go to like France or somewhere with a bit more life going on. But the yeah, the stadium was nice. The wheelchair section was section was sensational. Like you see, were, yeah, you see that I'd say every detail was looked after. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I yeah, and that's actually that is good to hear. That is good to hear. A lot to aspire to in our stadiums. You're kind of looking at it with jealousy, and I know you're saying it's the higher kind of what they spend on it. But you're kind of looking at it when you're in the stadium. You're kind of going, "What's stopping our league from developing a stadium like this?" Like, actually, I mean, it's sort of the thing, like. In terms of wheelchair sections then, like, because I was actually ranting about, I was at a meeting today ranting about, like, the the stadiums that don't have Wi-Fi, because that's what affects me in my world. Like, you know, you go to a, a sort of a press box and I go to any country in the world and it's normal that you go in and you'd ask someone, what's the Wi-Fi code? And if there wasn't one, you'd be like, this is really weird. Yeah, in Ireland, you go to a stadium and you do that and... Everyone's like, well, of course there's no Wi-Fi here. Like, yeah, of course there's no Why did I even ask? And it's like, you're conditioned to this sort of way of thinking. It's like, actually, this is a deplorable way of thinking. Yeah. But actually, like, wheelchair sections, I'm guessing Tala is good. Tala's um, good. I Turner's like, Cross is brilliant. Turner's Cross, I was going to say, I feel like I've seen one. Sligo? Sligo, is that all right? Or I'm trying Sligo, to think um, they're away section, like, oh, like yeah, they let yeah. you sit anywhere. So I'd, I'd prefer to be in with the away crowd. And you kind of just yeah. make up your own kind of slot there. Um, they're very accommodating, though. You can either go, kind of go behind the goal in the tarmac or at the side with the away fans. So, look, if, if they have a wheelchair section in the home section, but who wants to sit in the yeah. home section? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Dundalk, you're on the, the sideline, which you can't really complain about. The only complaint, I suppose, is there's no roof. Um, yeah. If the elements... Uh, Derry, I haven't made a Derry. I'm going to Derry on February 25th. Um, they're all really good. Longford's very good. Athlone is good. Pats is very good. Um, Pats, you're integrated into the stand. The only thing is, you know where the toilets are in Pats? Uh, the away. Yes. Yeah. You, can't, you can't see the corner flag because the pole is there and then the building. Oh, yeah. there, which is like, it's, it's grand. Like uh, Shells yeah. is good. You're just sitting behind the goal. Like they can all the day amount isn't great now to be honest, um, because you can't really see over the sponsorship hoard, um, and you're in yeah. because there's more of a demand for bows now, um, you know, back about ten ten or so years ago, there'd be a handful of Rovers fans and and wheelchair user Rovers fans that would be in block A, but now it's all bows fans, uh, so. You're kind of. Do you want to sit with Bose fans for those matches? You know that way. Do not go in with Danny. No, like you know, it's not just mix it up. <laughs> Danny, Danny wouldn't know yeah. where Daily Mount Park is. <laughs> well, you should Danny. you should lay the gauntlet down to him. Like you should just you should actually just say, listen, I've decided we should go to the game together. You know, but listen, you know, you can, you can expose this myth for what it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. He's really, like lay it on thick and say, I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's something we should do. You know, exactly, Danny. We'll do it this season, will we? I'm more than happy to do an outside broadcast from Daily Mount with your ground. <laughs> no way. I'll take I got, I got stick there the last time I was there. They were saying, your podcast is fucking shite. So 
I lent it. There you go. See, it's because I wasn't in the crowd, so they felt you get. Like, yeah, yeah, they didn't know, know you. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what, what will be the latest there actually with the Daily Mount redevelopment and talk? Like, are, are, I would love to see Talca Park saved, personally speaking. I, the history in that ground, I love going to that ground. Even when Rovers played there, um, I just loved it. Is there a chance? Do we have a chance? Because, I mean, I've seen the Save, Save Talca Park campaign and it's it reads very attractively, but the people that make the decisions, I don't know if they'll, they'll go to. It's really like the, the Save Talca Park campaign has really taken off and um, I think it's going to get bigger. Um, I, like, I'm a bit conflicted around it. I, I, like, I, 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 I mean, of like, course, I think it's absolutely insane that the idea would exist that like, that even in North Dublin, where I live now, like, I mean, it's completely justifiable to have, like, two major stadiums. I just have this little hope that I don't know if the best compromise is ending up with two crappy stadiums, too. Like, I saw a picture the other day of, um, again, they're, they're taking the seats out, I think, is it behind the goal in yeah. Talca Park, I think? Like, another sort of, another section, another ground where there's a committed section that you can't go into, like, you know, it just seems like they're closing sections of stadiums. It looks terrible safe. on the telly, won't it? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm well up for Talca Park being saved. It should. I just hope that it doesn't end up in some situation where, well, you can have Talca Park, but now we're not doing daily mounts. You know, and that, that can't be the way that this plays out. But I think daily mount has to be done because, um, you know, daily mount is... A, hugely historical place in the context of Irish football um, and the idea of doing a new daily mount I think is an excellent one but at the same time I completely understand why Shells are, are sort of pissed off with the whole situation and I'd love to see Talca Park being saved in a, in a better format but knowing like you're, going, you're, you're looking at, you say that that's in, in theory what you want but in practice like you live in Ireland you know that like we are a country of half-finished or never-started stadiums. So, like, the idea that we could get two of them done seems fanciful. Yeah. So I just hope that I just hope that the price of saving Talca isn't screwing something else. And I know that's not their goal. Um, they have their own history. And I, I think maybe Shells are getting a bit of a rebirth at the moment that will probably stress why they need their own identity. Um, but as I said, I just hope that, like... Things have been surrendered into the hands of, of, of sort of political actors by mistakes made over the years. And I just, I'm not sure if I trust them to all sort it all out in a way that, that gives us what we want at the end, which is good facilities yeah. in this there's area. A, there's, an, there's an easy answer for them. Utilise the River Tolga, stick whitewater rafting on it, and there'll be money flowing into them from everywhere. Listen, there, you know, that's, this is what we can do, you know? I mean... Like they they could actually like do some kind of hybrid stadium where like at full time they rotate the pitch out and it just like the the water comes from beneath it you know or they have a <laughs> sort of some kind of some kind of fifty meter swimming pool exists below it that they they rotate it like he's frantically taking notes right now and just showing <laughs> yes yeah. that genius. Yeah. Yeah. The redevelop uh, daily mount, Dan, is that only going to be five or six thousand? Yeah, so they're saying. Yeah. Um no, I mean I'm not so they're saying. That is the truth. That is the latest their demands, plan. Considering their popularity and demand in the recent years, that seems pretty low, like. Yeah, like I'm not saying that no, that is the plan, and I know that it's it's hugely expensive, the whole thing. Um 
And I know that that has raised some eyebrows, but again, I think the argument is just the price of getting stuff done. I suppose people, anyone who's worked in construct, you know, had a, a construction project, you know, a house or some kind of thing, you see that the, the costs just seem to be extraordinarily high. Um, yeah. And it seems that, I suppose, if you're doing a, a project in, t- in partnership with a council, I suppose they have to they have to pay the going rate in a number of areas, even if it appears to be a very inflated rate. And I don't I don't understand it, but then I don't have the head for this to be able to to, to talk with authority about what it should cost. Yeah, it just yeah. does appear that in other countries, you know, stadiums of that size um, cost less. But um, it just it feels like with this day, but it's like you know, what's this the Metro Link or whatever you know Metro North you know which is like, I mean, when is that, like, when is that ever Never going to come to pass? Like, you know, there's, there's like, there's children who haven't been born yet, you know, who will die of natural causes before that's done. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. like, that's sort of, like, that's that's where we are, it feels like, with that project. We have an awful habit and, and, of making a balls of building things. Children's Hospital comes to mind as well. Uh, and yeah. the, the amount that's paid yeah. for that. Um, it's just so slow. It's just so slow. Like that's the thing as well. You know, and football has been a classic. It's a, a great example of that, but like a terrible example. I'm looking know? forward. I'm looking forward to seeing you in the Bertie Bowl, lads. That's all I'll say. On that <laughs> yeah, one. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Before we let you go, there, just um, Ireland and Stephen Kenny. I assume the contract is going to be tied up before the internationals in March. Yeah, it will be. Yeah, no, it will be. I mean, I've never doubted that the contract would be done, um, but again, it's. Just taking a little bit longer, maybe, and um, to iron it out. But yeah, that there's no, there's there's no there's no, there's no grey area around him staying or anything like that. And no, do you think uh, Festi Ebisola will be in the March squad? Oh, it's a good question. I mean, he's 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 flying with Derby at the moment, um, and he's someone I actually would have watched him play for the Irish underage team a couple of years, and um, he was always athletically, he was always exceptionally quick. Yeah. Um, but he just seems to have added another level. Um, I wouldn't be so sure, though. Like, I think he's got quite a... I think Kenny's one of his big things is to go towards a settled, quite a settled squad. And um, I think there's always a clamour for, for a young guy. Like Earlier in the season, it was Gavin Kilkenny, and now he's not playing for, for Bournemouth because he has to be in the squad. I think sometimes people are a little bit too hasty to jump for it, but... I think what I would like, what I would say is that like Fessy's attributes I think would appeal to Kenny because I think a big problem with the team in his first year or so in charge was it was actually quite slow and that's why Ogbeni has been a revelation because he's given them something different that they didn't have mm. so I think he'd be considered but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be 100% convinced but in the summer they have these four games which is going to be a big camp um, and they'd probably have to call him a big squad for that. So maybe I could be wrong. Like you could spring him in there, but if everyone else is fit, maybe not. And if he's if he's going to bring Jason Knight in for Derby, I think it'd be mad to overlook Abasoli because he, you know, they played the same amount of games. And as you said, the speed of Festy, like he, he more or less always beats the their fullback. Anytime I've watched them, you know, he's he's created. Yeah, no, he's got. No, there's a shout. There's a shout for it. Yeah. Like I suppose it's a question of. Where does he play though? Like, you know, does he? I mean, does he? Does he see him as a as a as a right sided wing back ahead of Doherty? Yeah. Um, probably not, to be honest. You know, so, but so 
like will he call him up maybe but would he benefit more from playing a few games with 21s in that time I think you could argue in the last couple of camps that there have been times when lads have been in the senior squad who aren't going to play that the 21s might have needed them and yeah, I think yeah. calling them into the senior too quickly can be a there can be two sides to that detrimental to the 21s listen Dan thanks yeah. so much for your time I look forward to uh the League of Ireland podcast, Leo Ireland Central returning. And it, it, the half, halfway line newsletter, is that back? Yeah, that's starting back on Friday week. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, free to subs- it's free to subscribe for it. You know, I think people, um, people are afraid of paywalls, whatever, but there is, this, is, this is free. It just like cleverly then puts in a load of pieces that are behind the paywall to try and like yeah. tempt people towards them. It's like, come on, come on, come on. You've got this far. You want to read this. If anyone signs up, just be careful as well because the first two always end up in the junk box. So, Yeah, it's very important. Uh, You can always, if you sign up and you have any issues, get get on to me on on, on Twitter because I can can sort it out. Deadly. Dan, thanks so much for your time, all right? Thank you, Dan. Enjoy the season. Yeah, put the chat, lads. Yeah, I'll see you in daily, man, for your big outing. Yeah, I look forward to it. You'll see me in the Bob Marley jersey, don't worry. I contributed absolutely nothing to that podcast, but you know what? I'm perfectly fine with that because you and Dan, you just you you just took it away. And I just, flew boy as well, like because I, I enjoyed listening to it. I, I was, was just I was, listening. Was like, and, yeah, I was like I was like an audience member for that yeah. podcast. It was great. But um, if you're that way inclined to support League of Ireland, I I think Dan's podcast with Johnny Ward is excellent, and they always have excellent guests and excellent insight and stuff like that so League of Ireland Central podcast is back next week so everyone hit subscribe to that because it's a good one indeed yeah absolutely and uh, check out the independent as well that's boy boy newspapers do boy journalism is important including sports journalism so support it because uh, if there wasn't good journalism we'd be left with the likes of Gript and those lunatics so you know or Boris Johnson would still be a journalist which is even more fucking terrifying oh Jesus wept but uh, yeah, Graham, good, well done. You 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 navigated that podcast with Dan beautifully. I'm very proud to have just sat by idly and hoped you didn't ask me yet because I wouldn't have a clue what to say. Well, we talked about so much food in the intro that an hour later I'm still starving. We used <laughs> exactly, to have yeah. had your uh, crisps sandwich, so we we will head off. Where can anyone listen to us, Dan? You can get us online at wtspod.com or you can check us out on. Spotify, free by the way, lads. Just hit subscribe, and all our episodes come to you directly on your mobile or device. You can get us on Apple Podcasts, you can get us on Stitcher, you can get us on Podbean, Podcast Addict, Podcast Republic, anywhere and everywhere that podcasts are available, including uh, Amazon and Aston Alexa and Aston Google and all those kind of things. Just subscribe to WTS Pod. We're there waiting for you. I'm at Dan Joe Murray on the social medias. He is at Merrigan Mania on the social medias. This has been WTS for this week. Until next time, everybody, clear eyes, all hearts, and lose. Too sweet. <laughs>